previously we've talked about how things, events in the world, they kind of come as being likened to a woman with child, how there'll be a contraction during childbirth and then it'll ease off for a while and then more contractions and as the birth prangs grow nearer and uh, the time of birth approaches, the contractions become more frequent and at closer intervals. So as we've known for the last several years, especially since COVID and even prior to that, the prangs of uh, a birth of a new age, if we look to the Bible, the, the signs that it prophesied, they come in kind of uh, fits and spurts, increasing and in our eyes more and more. We happen to be in one of those cycles in the last two weeks and we'll look at that and we'll, we'll see how we should interpret those things. So last week, a, uh, a sodomite went in and uh, attacked a Christian school. A sodomitess, I should say. It was a woman who was confused on whether she should be a man or not. Which was she? She was a woman? It was a female. Trying to be a male? Yes. She was converting over and all that. She was always wanted to be a man. Yeah. Uh, it killed uh, three nine-year-olds and a 61-year-old, another 61-year-old, a 60-year-old. It reminds me of the words of the Lord that in the end days, the love of many shall wax cold. That comes from uh, Matthew chapter 24. And in, in this latest attack against deliberately against Christians, we see that the things that Christ spoke about coming to pass uh, more and more rapidly, uh, Christianity led to the civilization of the world, say from A.D. 800 up until the present. The reason why we have modern technology and the modern world even is because of the unifying principles and uh, community cooperation of Christianity. And now that is under attack. The Christians are the evil people because we cannot accept alternative lifestyles are contrary to the word of the Lord. And in this attack, even the, the first school shooting in Columbine had a, uh, a religious aspect to it. Now, not all mass shootings have religious aspects, but uh, the first one did, this one did, a lot of other ones do because a lot of them are happening in churches as well. Um, a girl named Cassie Bernard or Valine Sherniff in the Columbine massacre, what they were asked if uh, they believed in God by the killers, and they uh, answered in the affirmative. And in one instance, one of them was killed, and uh, the other one wasn't. But we don't know exactly which one it was. But there was a, a a deep religious aspect, a martyrdom to that first one, and even this latest one. We see these things coming about. I'm going into Matthew 24. Remember, Matthew 24 is an uh, apocalyptic chapter speaking of the end of the world and the things that bring about the end of this age. Matthew 24, verse 12. But lawlessness is increased, and most people's love will grow cold. And every time I hear one of these mass shootings, that uh, is what it reminds me of. But let's, um, let's get this whole quote here so that we might better understand the word of the Lord. It's speaking about the time of the end. 
And Jesus answered them, saying, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. In various places there will be famines and earthquakes, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then will they deliver you into tribulation, and they will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name. Remember, we'll be hated for all by all nations. Not just one nation, but all nations. We see all these nations of the world except a few embracing this uh, ideology that is anti-Christian and an anti any natural order, and they will turn against Christians who do not follow suit. And at that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. And when times get hard, many people who profess to be Christians are going to fall away when mainstream thought turns against them as it is doing right now as we speak. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, as we see murders, rapes, all sorts of evilness, thievery, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then will the end come. Also, last week we had another sodomite, this one a man who believed he was a woman. He was on a major news network talking about something, why they had him on there, I have no idea. But he said that God created him, well, this is true, but he said in her image that he was the image of God, uh, in a feminine sense, we know that this is not the case. They had this person on national news saying this, and we hear, the company Anheuser-Busch this week, it, it, um, it is glorifying another sodomite that is their uh, spokesperson. At this, uh, for the last several years, probably 20, 30 years, corporations have been at the forefront of these culture wars. In my opinion, they should be concentrating on selling sneakers or clothes or candy bars or whatever they sell. But they have chosen to interject themselves into culture wars, promoting lifestyles that are contrary to the word of the Lord. Now, corporation is an interesting thing. It exists only to make money. In U.S. corporate law, because U.S. corporate law rules most corporations throughout the world, um, a corporation is seen as a person, no different than you or I, although a corporation can acquire unlimited resources, money, wealth, whatever, and they never die. They, like in a hundred years, the corporate charter isn't uh, done away with. Some couple corporations are 200 years old. They're never going to die unless they went bankrupt or something. And their sole goal in uh, U.S. law is to make money. And it reminds me of the words of, of the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 6, of verse 10. 
Apostle Paul speaking, for the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Another translation is the root of all evil. And these corporations, their sole goal is to make money. Now, they can't act any other way or they can be sued or their directors can be sued. And they have been the main ones promoting all this, whether it's a media company or uh, I remember food company used to be promoting all this stuff, major food company. There's only 10, 20 major corporations in the world and they they own most of the other corporations. So if you see, say, we use the beer company as an example, the beer company might own 15 or 20 other beer companies that we recognize. It goes for soft drink companies, it goes for snack food companies, apparel companies, all these uh, under uh, an umbrella. So the Apostle Paul says, the love of money is the root of all evil, and he continues on. Some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So if we seek after money at the exclusion of all other things, then it will cause us much grief in our life. If we honor the Lord and follow His commandments, then money will come to us and it will be free from the hassle that being covetous and wanting longing after money brings. But flee from these things, you man of God. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life, which you were called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Jesus Christ, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandment without strain or reproach and until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at a proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, who no man has seen or can see, to him be honor, and eternal dominion. Amen. A lot of people will say that the Apostle Paul uh, was uh, just some ignorant bumpkin that says that the pursuit of money is the root of all evil. That people today would have more esteem for, for billionaires or, or whatever. Uh, but the words of the Apostle Paul will live as long as there are people on the earth. Uh, any of you know who J. Paul Getty is? Does anybody know who Yoshioki Tushumo is? So these various points in time, J. Paul Getty was yeah, J. Paul Getty was uh, the richest man in the world for about thirty years. He famously let his uh, grandson's ear get cut off by kidnappers for not paying a seventeen million dollar ransom in the seventies. But nobody here knows his name. That's the way to be with Elon Musk, Bill Gates, all those in a hundred years, if two hundred years, if the the uh, the world keeps going. Nobody's going to remember these people's names, except maybe in a history book. And, uh, the Shishima guy, he was the richest man in the world in the late '80s from Japan. Nobody's going to know their names, but the Apostle Paul, until there's no man on the earth, people will know the Apostle Paul. So we'll see whose words last along as his or the 
so-called wise billionaires of this age. Also, this week, a country music star on Monday stood in solidarity with the um, the Sodomites in uh, her performance on the Country Music Awards. Again, this is one of the least places we would expect to see these type of things, yet it is becoming mainstream. Again, the culture will shift against Christians. Now, moving on into the political sphere, Russia's moving nuclear weapons into Belarus, and uh, Finland today joined NATO, first increase in NATO in a while. But with Finland joining, it doubles the size of the Russian border that that laps on NATO. So the size of the area that conflict between Russia and NATO can come come into being on just doubled today. Also, Saudi Arabia and China are moving towards selling oil and buying oil in non-dollar denominated currencies. So there's something called the petrodollar. It is one of the things, other than the U.S. dollar being the world's reserve currency, that allows the United States to spend so much money. Um, Reserve currency status also helps that. It's very complicated, and I won't get into it here. But the United States can borrow unlimited money. People in the United States don't really have to pay taxes because they're inflating the money supply so much. It's just a show to pay taxes. The tax money is gone by February. All the money that U.S. government takes in in taxes of, of a year by February or March, all that money spent, the rest of it is borrowed. The way it can be borrowed is because of the petrodollar. Every other country in the world, because Saudi Arabia and the United States entered into this agreement, has to buy U.S. dollars, and with those U.S. dollars, they buy oil. When this goes away, it's going to be a major cause of concern for the United States, and this is something that the United States would definitely go to war over. So nothing to get too upset about now, but uh, it is happening. Brazil and China also agreed to conduct trade in their own local currencies and not U.S. dollars. Now, Usually when there's trade overseas between countries, it's all done in U.S. dollars. That, again, allows the United States to effectively tax the world. And they had that because the United States Navy patrols the world's oceans and allows uh, commerce to go unimpeded. This is not, this from 1945 until now is a unique time in history because before that, There'd be pirates all over the place, and your ship might make it or it might get took over by pirates. After 1945, the United States Navy took over patrolling the global sea lanes. Um, Interesting note, the petrodollar came about because of the Yom Kippur War. The Yom Kippur War came about when a fear of armies surprised attacked Israel on the, the Yom Kippur Holy Day, and they were thoroughly defeated so the Arabs did an oil embargo it's the first oil shock in 1973 and it's when they first started using oil as a weapon and of that came an agreement between Saudi Arabia and the Richard Nixon administration in the United States that Saudi Arabia would only trade oil in U.S. dollars and that's been the standard up until now 
also right around that time, August 15th, 1971, Nixon took the United States off the gold standard and its currency become unpegged to anything. It's called fiat currency. It moves, uh, it just has value because we say it is. It isn't backed by anything except basically the oil that is uh, traded. So that's uh, another thing coming about. Scotland's approved, elected its first Muslim leader. And a few months ago, England elected their first Hindu leader. This is the first time that a non-Christian has ever ruled these nations. These nations were the main drivers of spreading Christianity to the world. All the European nations spread Christianity, but it was more so Britain and by effect, Scotland that uh, that did it. Scotland, even in its own declaration of independence from the 1200s, said that they were for, uh, descended from the uh, Scythians. The Scythians are thought to be some of the lost tribes of Israel. So for thousands of years, the Scottish have connected themselves with the lost tribes of Israel. And today, or this week, they have turned the ruling of their government over to a non-Christian, much like Britain did. He says his first act is going to make sure that the law passes that you can be whatever gender you decide to be. So there's where we're going with this. Protest in Israel over Benjamin Netanyahu wanting to take away some of the court's powers. Anytime somebody wants to be a dictator or whatever, the first thing they do is they get rid of the courts or either weaken their powers. The courts are usually a check and a balance against dictatorship. The dictator can sometimes take over a legislature, but usually it's hard for them to take over the courts, so they do away with them. There's been massive protests because of that and a lot going on over that. The United States is protesting it and everything there. There's been continued clashes on the Temple Mount because this year Ramadan, Passover, and Easter all coincide. They stopped a Jew from trying to go do a sacrifice on the Temple Mount, which would have inflamed the Muslims. There's been some people killed around the Temple Mount in the last few uh, few days. So things are are primed for an explosion over there. And also this week or last week, the new version of ChatGPT Part 4 came out. Well, yeah, about six months ago, ChatGPT 3 came out. It's a AI software that they believe will um, possibly do away to 30-60% of the jobs. Well, last week, industry leaders like Elon Musk, Wozak from Apple, and like a thousand other ones sent a letter to the government telling them they need to regulate AI before it's too late. And the government will move too slow on this. The AI genie's out the bag. It's a, a situation where the less constraints an AI has, the more powerful it becomes. You can't allow your enemies to gain a more powerful AI, so you have to make your AI more powerful so it's basically an arms race and corporations are in on it governments are in on it but unless everybody legitimately agreed to curtail ai research nothing's going to happen because somebody will secretly work on it and then 
they will have a huge advantage. The potential for this stuff is unlike anything we've ever seen. It can be almost a god. It will be seen as a god if it becomes artificial general intelligence. So all these things are troubling. If we weren't Christians, then uh, would these things be troubling? Uh, I'd say no. A Christian school gets shot up, we're turning against Christians. Uh, that'd be great if things can be progressive and now everybody can be equal. The world's moving into a, a great place where everybody can do everything they want. So if we were not Christians, this would not cause us any concern. It would cause us a, a reason to celebrate and be joyful. So what does the Bible tell us about this? And as we see these things happening, it, it causes some anxiety. Should we be anxious? We only know about them because the Bible told us that they're going to happen. It specifically said these things are going to happen. They're going to turn against you. You're going to be hated by all nations for my name's sake. So should we be surprised? No, we shouldn't. And though it is hard not to be anxious about it as we see them coming to pass, it should only increase our faith. And what does the Lord tell us? He tells us not to be concerned. He's going to take care of it. Our job is to be witnesses and to never turn to the right side nor the left but stay on the straight and narrow. Let's look at one chapter before we close to reiterate this point on how we should behave. We'll go to the book of Isaiah, the 51st chapter. Book of Isaiah, major prophet. It is called the fifth gospel. Um, up until, so in the late, Mid 1800s, something called textorial criticism started happening. It's where they started trying to apply scientific methods to the Bible, and they basically were anti-Christian, and they tried to make the Bible seem wrong. And one of the arguments they used was that the Book of Isaiah was false, and it was like written much later. The oldest existing copy at that time was from like a thousand A.D., and they said that all the stuff to make it fit with Christianity had been added in after um, the birth of Christ. Like, they went back and edited it to make it look like that. Another place, it names uh, Cyrus. Uh, Cyrus is the man who freed the Israelites uh, in around 500 B.C. If we go by the dating of the book of Isaiah, then this man's name was known 200 years before he was born and prophesied that he was going to free the, the Jewish people from Babylonian captivity. But that couldn't be true because if somebody, uh, according to the secularists and the people who are hostile to the Bible, that the book of Isaiah has to be much older because <laughs> nobody could predict a man's name who was going to free the Jews 200 years in advance, although God can. Um, so what happened was, up until 1947, they were saying that Book of Isaiah was edited from, say, A.D. 33 up until 1000 A.D. when we have the oldest copy. But then something happened. About the time that Israel was becoming a nation again for the first time in 2,000 years, they found something called the Dead Sea Scrolls, and these are ancient writings that were preserved uh, because of the climate of the Judean desert. 
they found these things, and even the, the naysayers say that these are the oldest copies of of the Holy Scriptures. And the book of Isaiah was one of the few that was almost totally complete, and it matched exactly with the copy that we had from 1000 AD. So within a th- from 1000 years, over 1000 years, 1300 or so, it was unchanged. And that did away with the argument that it was edited. So we keep that in mind, knowing that this comes straight from the uh, the mouth of the Lord. Isaiah 51, 1, and this is what we should keep in mind. Should we be anxious about these things that we see happening that are prophesied in the Bible and uh, happening as things are turning against us? Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. So this is talking to the people who seek to to follow the Lord. Who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn. Listen to me, you who know righteousness. The people in whose heart is my law. Do not fear the reproach of men, nor be dismayed at their revilings. For the moth will eat them like a garment and the grub will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation to all generations. So let's read that again when we think about these people saying how evil we are. This is a message written directly from the lips of the Lord and transmitted by his holy prophet Isaiah. He says, Listen to me, you who know righteousness, a people in whose heart is my law. Do not fear the reproach of men, nor be dismayed at their revilings. For the moth will eat them like a garment, and the grub will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation to all generations. Awake, awake, and put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the days of old, the generations long ago. Was it not you? who cut Rahab in pieces, who pierced the dragon? Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea a pathway for the redeemed to cross? So it brings to mind the miracle of the Lord when he parted the Red Sea and allowed the Israelites to escape from the Egyptian armies. And he followed them day and night in the wilderness for 40 years. So the ransom of the Lord will return and the joyful shouting to Zion. Zion is in Jerusalem or is Jerusalem. The everlasting joy will be on their heads. They will obtain gladness and joy. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies? So he's asking us, who are we afraid to be afraid of man who dies? And the son of man who is made like grass. And grass dries up and it withers away. For you have forgotten the Lord your maker who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth that you fear continually all day long because of the fury of the oppressor. So we start to get nervous because we are oppressed by these secularists. Uh, we see... Uh, the cabinet of uh, the President of the United States filled with basically sodomites and mental cases. Uh, we got them stealing women's clothes at the airport. The health 
secretary can't figure out if they're a male or a female? <laughs> well, I can indeed. So he's saying, you fear continually all day long because of the fury of the oppressor as he makes ready to destroy. But where is the fury of the oppressor? Question. The exile shall soon be set free and will not die in the dungeon. So those that are imprisoned of the Lord or those who are persecuted, nor will his bread be lacking. So no, we will not be lacking of anything. The Lord will provide for those who follow him. For I am the Lord your God who stirs up the seas and its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. I have put my words in your mouth and have covered you with the shadow of my hand to establish the heavens, to found the earth, to say to Zion, you are my people. Rouse yourself, rouse yourself, arise, O Jerusalem. You who have drunk from the cup of his anger. The chalice of reeling, have you drained the dregs? There is none to guide her among all the sons that she has borne, nor is there one to take her by the hand among all the sons she has reared. So the Lord had punished the, the Jewish people and had sent them in captivity, though they hadn't been sent into captivity at the time this was written. And then it also refers to the, the end age. Those two things have befallen you. Who will mourn for you? The devastation and destruction, famine and the sword. How shall I comfort you? Question. Your sons have fainted. They lie helpless at the head of every street like an antelope in a net, full of wrath of the Lord, the rebuke of your God. So because these people had sinned, they fornicated, they made idols in groves, they called other things God that were not God. Soon we will call the AI God as it rises. And it, it, it has all the powers of a God even. This thing, this thing will be able to make life on earth very good for those who follow it. Possibly. Or uh, it could be just a regular dictator that rises as the Antichrist. Therefore, please hear this, you afflicted. So he's talking to the ones, the Christians who are being persecuted at this time who are drunk but not with wine thus saith your lord the lord even your god who contends for his people so he will fight for us behold i have taken out of your hand the cup of reeling and the chalice of my anger and you will not drink from it again i will put it into the hands of your tormentors who have said to you lie down and make way that we can walk over you you have even made your back like the ground, like the street of those who walk over it. So in those days, the streets were filthy. And uh, if somebody was in subjection to you, you could make them lie down in the street as you used them for a bridge. And the Lord will put this cup in the hands of the oppressors of his people at his return. But we must prepare for times uh, to become hard, harder and harder as the world the world will be afflicted. The secularists, they're all worried about the climate change and this and that, though the Bible specifically predicts that this climate change stuff will happen, specifically predicts it. And he says that they'll curse God even more because of it. So they're going to have enough trouble to go around, but they'll turn on Christians and any who preach out against their 
their wicked ways. Huh? But we will continue to do so. We'll pull as many away from that as we can, though in the end it will be many more pulled away from us until the Lord come. But we thank God for his comfort. We see in this passage and many more that he tells us not to be afraid. Do not be nervous when we see all these things happening. The Lord said they're going to happen. They're happening. It is no surprise to us, but he also promised that he would protect us during these times. With that, we'll end for the night. Are there any questions, comments, or concerns?